Pinches, how are you Pinches, everybody out there in podcast land? This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. I know it's been a while since my last episode, just been super busy, came back from a great vacation out in Key West. Actually, it wasn't Key West, it was Marathon, Florida, but we did go to Key West, and um, I will never go to Key West again. I, I think I'm done with that place. I've been there twice. You know, I've stayed there twice, and I love the Keys, um, but I am i will not go back to Key West again. It's kind of like a, um, for those of you that go on cruises, Key West is kind of like going into a cruise port and all the stores associated with it and such. It's a nice place. It's, it would, you know, in terms of, of Caribbean areas and stuff, it would be probably the nicest port in the, you know, in the Caribbean if you want to count... Uh, that area is the Caribbean as well. But uh, yeah, I can do without Key West moving forward. So it was a nice trip. I, I came back. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm strong. And I'm ready to do another episode. So on this episode, I'm going to talk largely about the um, some news that came out of the USA Judo. It, it's, it's called the American Judo Development Model. This is really the primary uh, topic of conversation for this podcast episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about... Uh, COVID again in judo and my own test results and the, what that means for me for the rest of the year. But 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 the primary focus of this podcast is going to be this this really recent news about the American judo development model. So on my last episode, I talked about uh, getting a COVID antibody test, and I also mentioned, or if I, I can't remember if I mentioned or not, but I was also going to consider getting a swab test. Well, since my last episode, I've actually had both done, gotten both of the results, and I am negative for both. Now, the antibody test I was getting done a couple of days after I released my last episode, but the the swab test, the one that they shove way up your nose, and, and let me tell you, that was one of the worst experiences I've ever been through. It was just, it was 10 seconds of hell. It, it felt like they shoved that that Q-tip, like, um, like, like it was poking my brain and my eyeball both at the same time. I've never had anything shoved up my nose quite like that. Um, and it, it was very, I don't know about painful, but it was just, my, my body was just in, in shock. It just... And, and in the next car over, because because they did the test in the car, the the lady was screaming her head off. It was just a really surreal experience, and my eyes were watering for an hour. It was horrible to go through. I don't know why I thought that um that that I would be spitting in some kind of container like they do for DNA tests, but that wasn't the case. They shoved this cotton this swab thing up my nose, uh, way deep. But um, I had that done. Um, about uh, a few days after I came back from my vacation, maybe about a week or so, uh, my vacation down on the Keys, which was fantastic, by the way. And I'm negative for that too. So I never, I never caught, I've never had COVID. And unfortunately for me, as a result, I was really hoping that both of these tests might've shown some evidence that I had COVID at one point, but I don't. And and because of that, I'm riding off 2020 uh, for the rest of the year in terms of training judo or Brazilian jiu-jitsu at a club. Um, now, the other day, I did have some 
from some friends over, notably uh, Judo Joe, who's been on this podcast many times. And and we did Judo for the first time in, in probably four months. It's really the first, yeah. I, I mean, I've done some practicing with my son for, for Newaza, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu related drills. But in terms of actually throwing, it was the first time in, in months. And, and I got to say, everybody that showed up, uh, there were just four of us there, but um, everybody that showed up was pretty sharp. I, I my... My Morote Sayanagi was not where I wanted it to be, but but some of my other throws, my my uh, Ogoshi and and Tayatoshi and and Sayanagi, my Ipon Sayanagi, uh, they, they weren't they weren't too bad. I I I was pretty sharp. I was throwing pretty hard. I thought my my timing just for the entry was okay. So I've got um. I've got a 10 by 10 mat area. The mats are trash. They're like those puzzle mats things, except instead of the puzzle mat being like half an inch, I think they're about, um, you know, two to three inches thick. No, maybe, maybe just two inches thick, but, and, and they work well if you're just rolling on the ground. Uh, but these mats on top of concrete, I, I can't take falls on them anymore. So I have decided that I'm going to build myself a floating floor uh, to use on these mats. Um, I've already gotten some quotes for the type of foam that I need to have underneath the, the, the first layer of plywood. Because basically when it comes to a floating floor, you, you stick these, these, these uh, like, you know, three inch by three inch by four inch uh, blocks of foam underneath uh, an eight foot by four foot piece of plywood and you know so I got a 10 by 10 mat area so I'm going to get a you know a few pieces of plywood I'm going to you know cut them down and arrange them so that they're 10 by 10 and then I'm going to stick these in a in a you know a, a predetermined pattern I'm going to stick these foam pieces underneath that plywood and then I'm going to lay another layer of plywood on top of that and then I'm going to throw the mats on top of that. And maybe I'll put in a border. I'm not sure. But but the bottom line for me is that um, my puzzle mats on top of this floating floor, which will sit on top of my uh, my garage, which is relatively level, um, I should be able to take regular falls on that without a crash pad. And, and when Joe and I practiced and his family practiced on, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, we did. They did have their crash pad that they brought, and it worked for what we wanted to do. Just the problem, you know, when it comes to judo, I don't like static throwing. It's unrealistic. Uh, I mean, it's okay if you've got nothing else to do, and it's and it's certainly better than than doing uchikomi. But you know, with my judo, I like taking at least a single step in the direction I'm going to throw before I actually throw. So I think if I build a floating floor. It'll allow me to at least be able to do that and, and then maybe do, um, you know, 50-50 Rondori, Yakusoku Gaiko uh, style of Rondori. I, that's doable on a 10 by 10 mat area with just a single pair of people. And, and maybe, who knows, if, if this works for me, I may just expand, expand that mat area to, to 20 by 20, which which really would be perfect for, you know, for... Uh, you know, moving Uchikomi, you know, an, an actual Rondori without worrying about falling off the mat. That, that's probably the biggest challenge is, is a 10 by 10 area. It allows for a little bit of movement, but the challenge is not getting thrown off the mat. So that's going to be the plan for me. 
I had to, I, I did suspend my membership at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu because I, I know I'm not going back. And I, I supported the club for four months, you know, ever since the, the, the shutdowns across the country started. You know, you know, and for me, I'm not, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I suspended my membership, but not because I want to go somewhere else. For, for me, Ybor City is the only place I want to train. Um, but right now, it, it's nothing's changing. And I, I remember I said it months ago that, that I would give this thing, you know, three months before I even consider, you know, canceling my membership, but, um, or, or suspending, I'm calling it suspending it because I'm not quitting jujitsu or judo, but, um, so yeah, I'm really bummed about it. I, I'm really crushed by it. Honestly, I, I, I love training at the club. Their, their mats in, for judo and jiu-jitsu are, are the best in the area, in my opinion, at least the subfloor. And I love training there. I, I, I do, but no way. I, I can't. There's, there's too many variables involved. Uh, you know, plus, you know, I've mentioned it before in the podcast, the history with my brother, you know, passing away from just the flu, you know, almost five years ago. I I can't put my parents through seeing seeing another child on a ventilator. And, and I if I caught it, that probably wouldn't happen, but that's not a risk I'm willing to take because we're finding out long-term damage from people that catch COVID that really have a bad reaction to it. It's 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 not worth it to me. So you know when I when I go out and about, I socially distance. I keep a mask on, and you know even when I went on vacation, we socially distanced. So yeah, I I, I really hate to say it, but but I'm done. I'm done for 2020. I wish it wasn't this way, but. But it is, and I'm not willing to take the 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 risk of of catching COVID through through judo or jujitsu, and then passing it on to training partners, or or even worse, my own family. And you know, on a semi-related note, um, it and this isn't really related to judo, but with my own son entering his senior year in high school, you know, me and his mother are opting for him to do e-learning which allows him to continue to be a student at his high school, which is important to us because he's part of a, 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 a pretty important music program there. Uh, but but I, I'm opting to keep my son home. Uh, he prefers it, not because he's being lazy, but he understands the risks of, of bringing something home. Uh, you know, with 3,000 kids in a high school, there's going to be, there's bound to be kids there that, that have COVID. So I'm not taking that risk. You know, and, and just, just as an aside, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that's calling this the Kung Flu and think it's a hoax. I don't believe it's a hoax. I think the numbers of COVID infections are trumped up uh, by policies. You know, for example, I, I've seen it, you know, if you, if I drown in my lake, you know, in some states anyway, if you drown in your backyard pool or whatever, but you happen to be positive for COVID, they're going to mark you as a COVID death, even though you died from drowning. So there's a lot of that out there as well. So I, I don't know if these numbers are being trumped up deliberately or if these policies are in place to have, um, it, you know, the numbers trumped up so that they can get more funding for, for, for COVID research and, and, uh, and treatment and things like that. But it's not a risk I'm willing to take. And I see a lot of people out there on social media just, just, you know, COVID be damned. We're going to train. We're going to train without masks and we're going to train regularly. And, uh, you know, well, you know, what? all the more power to you. I'm not going to be critical of you. 
certainly not publicly. And I, I, I actually don't, I'm not bothered by that either privately. I, I really am not. You guys are making a decision. You have the freedom and, and right to do that. You're making a decision to train and, and you're accepting those risks. And, but, but for me, I, I can't accept those risks. So, so those are my thoughts on COVID. That's a 10 minute rant, but the end of the day, I hate to say it, I, I'm done for 2020 and that really sucks. So, um, so moving along, I want to talk about a bit of news that is specific to United States judo. So I, I know, you know, probably you people, you all from uh, overseas or from other countries, you're not going to care too much about this. So USA Judo, the, the United States Judo Federation and the United States Judo Association, well, that's a mouthful, they have finally released after all this time the American Judo Development Model. Now, uh, uh, over two years ago, back in March in 2018, it was announced that all three of the, or the three, if you want to call it major, uh, judo organizations in the United States signed what they called the Historic Alliance Agreement uh, to come up with really a means to to have a... Uh, a collaboration between the three uh, judo organizations, uh, you know, basically recognizing each other's points and competitions and things like that. That's a high level ex- explanation of it. Uh, I covered this, gosh, I think like in somewhere in epi- between episode 42 and 45, something like that. I mean, I covered this a long time ago, but part of this. Uh, American Judo Alliance was the creation of what I call it a task force to come up with a uh, American Judo development model um, to improve, you know, coaching procedures, processes, this, that, and the other thing for the development of of, of judo in the United States and and getting it getting our athletes better prepared for competing on the international tour. So after nearly two and a half years, they finally published what I thought was a pretty good high-level um, explanation of what they want to do. And, and I want to be clear here. This is, this is you know, what I'm going to cover here. I'm going to cover, you know, kind of the good, the bad, the ugly of it all. But but truth be told, I don't think there's any bad or I don't think, and I don't think there's any ugly with the American judo development model. I think it was a very uh, a very good way to explain what they want to do at a high level. I'm gonna I'm gonna cover some of the key points. The only issues that I have with it, and I'll cover this, you know, later on in my on my uh, topic discussion here on this, is there's a lot of uh, questions that I have, and there are things that I just don't know how they're going to accomplish some of the things that they're setting out with this development model. Now, first things first, I think the presentation of the American Judo Development Model and the PDF form that they published on USA Judo's website is fantastic. It, it's, it really is what I would expect from a major uh, effort, a collaborative effort like this. Because, I, you know, I would have hated to see, you know, let's say 10 bullet points on a Word document or something like that. They... In terms of presentation and and explaining the outline, it's probably about 13 pages or so, but I think they did a really good job. Uh, Something else that I wanted to kind of point out is that since 
since the creation of the American Judo Alliance to today, which is this thing got released on on July 16th. That's a really long time. I mean, we're talking almost two and a half years. And I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in some of these these uh, these discussions, because, look, I don't think it should have taken that long. And I'm going to say, and I'm just merely speculating here, I got to believe that there was a lot of significant debate on what this thing should look like. I mean, you know, I work in IT. I've been working in, quote unquote, corporate America for, uh, you know, a very, very long time. And to come up with it, to take two and a half years to come up with this kind of a collaborative effort would never fly in any context in any company that I've ever worked at. If 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 I was in a company, you know, being set out to put together something like this, we'd be given a month. So, again, I'm not trying to be critical, but I'm just I'm just wondering out loud why it took so long. And there just must have been a lot of debate and disagreements on how to go about it. Then again, on the flip side, I'm not sure if it matters that it took two and a half years at this point because, and again, I'm just just spitballing here. The goal, I have to believe, is the 2028 games in Los Angeles to to get somebody or to get a group of individuals uh, up there at a competitive level on the world stage because right now, as a as a whole team, as a as a you know Team USA as a whole is not competitive on the international uh, world tour. And that's not hate. It's just truth. We're, we're, we're just not. And, and as a matter of fact, even when Travis Stevens, you know, on his his fantastic YouTube, uh, I won't call them rants, but discussions and, and you know, live Q&As, that kind of thing, he even, he even disregards today's uh, senior athletes. He says, uh, you guys are done, you, you know, in terms of, of the future and 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 from that point of view I, I I agree. So I'm not sure how I'm going to cover this in a meaningful way to give you the gist of what they're talking about, but I I'll, I'll I'll try and do my best. So on the American Judo Development Model on their PDF, they they have identified five uh stages in terms of development. This is now this is extremely high level stuff. So it starts off with uh, stage one is discover the fundamentals and fun is, is capitalized in fundamentals. And th- this is a stage that is specific for five to eight year old, eight year old um, uh, athletes. Stage two is for is the learn and challenge, which is really geared for uh, athletes that are nine to 12 years old. Uh, stage three is develop and train, which is geared for uh, athletes that are between the ages of 13 and 16. Um, and this is where it gets a little bit a, uh, different. Stage four has two different paths, and that's um, uh, uh, participate and succeed, which is uh, a black belt path for anybody 16 years old and older. So to me, that's a path that goes down the recreational tree. That, that's kind of my impression. Uh, and the other path for stage four is uh, excel for performance, which is the team they call it the Team USA path, which is 16 and older as well. So, so you've got so this development model isn't strictly just for getting athletes on Team USA. This is a 
a comprehensive development model for both the recreational judoka and the ones that want to be competing at an elite level. And then uh, stage five is thrive and mentor, uh, be active for life. That's all ages, you know, 18 and up. Now to go in a little bit more detail, um, they break down, you know, what, what the focuses of these stages are. And, you know, for stage one, it's uh, it build overall motor skills and providing a fun and engaging experience. Stage two is, is uh, advanced motor skill development and general fitness, learn and practice foundational judo techniques. Stage three is building the aerobic base and further develop sports specific skills, focusing on increasing dynamic strength. Stage four is optimizing the overall fitness preparation and sports-specific skills. Uh, that's four, That's that's uh, stage four for recreational for the elite athletes. It's training to become an elite athlete, focus on advanced skills, performance, and competition success. And stage five is is, uh, is a focus on continued growth as well as development, developing late-entry new judokas, find one's place in the sport to help promote, grow, and sustain judo in America. Now that, you know, for myself, I probably would land in stage five, obviously, because I've, I've already been doing this thing for 14 years now, and that's just where I would be slotted, and ain't nothing wrong with that. So I want to jump right to stage four, because I, I think for, for myself and for my audience, I, I, don't, I don't really have kids listening to the podcast, at least I don't think so. Um, stages four and, and five directly apply to, to all of you and, and, and myself. So I want to cover the details on what they are saying for stage four in the participate and succeed the black belt path. That's the non team USA judo path. So here are the judo specific goals that they have outlined, uh, for stage four, at, the, at least this stage. Uh, ongoing training, outline steps to belts and promotions, encourage and support participation and personal success, introduce, introduce and implement a structured periodization program, enabling a player uh, to peak for major competitions, identify the annual training periods, uh, training uh, competitions, and target competitions. And some of their bulleted points is consolidate and refine to Kuiwaza. Techniques should be tailored to the individual. Identification and practice of underdeveloped skill sets. Development of coping with encountering opposition style and gripping. Refined contest strategies and improved decision making under pressure. Higher volume of training, including strength and endurance. Uh, introduce, uh, develop, and refine at least four new techniques per year. I, I think that's a pretty good uh, um, goals for those who are 16 and up that at that stage. Now here's where it gets interesting to me. Um, the recommendations for training and competition section. They, so I'll, I'll read off the bullet points here. It says weekly participation in judo, uh, two to four specific sessions lasting 16 to 90 minutes in duration. I think that's, that's, that's about right. Fitness conditioning activity five to six times per week. Uh, competition, uh, 8 to 12 tournaments per national and international uh, junior and senior competitions. That's a lot. I want to get into that a little bit later. Uh, 45 weeks per year, uh, in parentheses, 48 weeks for under 20. Uh, Off-season, three weeks or less. Develop co approaches to tapering and peak performance. Individualized training, competition, and recovery plans. Strength training, energy de uh, system development, cross-training development, weak areas, weight training, nutrition, 
Uh, next bullet point, 40% general, 6% competition and competition-specific training. And compete under full IGF rules. Which that's a, something else that I wanted to bring up. This American judo development model is specific to IGF judo. So for those of you out there that are hoping to see uh, grassroots related judo. Maybe you, you know focus on the whole entirety of judo of the judo syllabus. Uh, it, you'll be disappointed to find out this is specific for IJF judo. Now the thing that I wanted to get to is the competitions. The 8 to 12 tournaments per year, to me, maybe that's an expectation that I just didn't realize, but that's a lot of competing. That's a lot of traveling. I mean, I do well for myself financially, uh, relatively speaking. If I had a child that was doing judo and that was their expectation, that's a lot of money to spend. I mean, that that's at least $500 uh, per tournament. Because you have to pay the entry fees, then you have to get there the night before to get weighed properly. Then you got to do deal with the hotels. Then you got to deal with the waiting around. Then you got to deal with the food, and the, and just you know travel traveling. If you're flying in, then you have to get a rental car. That's at least five hundred dollars a tournament, and that that's a significant uh, investment in. A student at this stage that may not be even having a, a, a good opportunity to make it on Team USA. Remember, there's only what 14 spots maybe on Team USA. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you have alternate spots, so you get as many as as 21 athletes. I don't know. I, I don't know the details on that. But if you think about all the kids and, and, and teenagers that are that are competing in judo, and and you see you think about all the spots that you can be a part of for Team USA, there's there's a whole there's a, not a lot there. So what I don't see in this American judo development model is how they're going to identify what kid can really make it on to Team USA. Because if I had a kid, like I said, uh, competing, that's a lot of money for me to spend only to find out, you know what, my, my kid really just doesn't have what it takes to compete at the highest level. Most of you don't. 99.9% of the kids out there, they don't have what it takes. And that's a lot of traveling uh, really to support tournaments and such. And I, I don't know. There's no way. I, there's no way I would spend that kind of money on judo for my kid 8 to 12 times a year. Because as a parent, I got to worry about feeding, clothing, making sure they, they have an opportunity to go to college. I mean, that that's where 500 bucks a month should go. If it's going to go toward my kid, it should go to things like that. So I don't know if that's a means to artificially bump up numbers at tournaments, but but that's a lot of money. And I, I tell you what, on top of that, you know, a lot of coaches out there, in, you know, insist the parents pay for the coach's airfare because if he's going to spend time coaching, you know, your kid on the side of the mat, that's that's a, that's a cost to him. That's understandable. That's that's a coach's prerogative to be able to charge for for coaching on the sidelines and things like that. It's just it's a big money sink and I don't think judo should be a money sink and I you know with the, this American judo development model, I don't see any plan in place for increasing the number of local and regional tournaments. You know, the the only people that benefit from from not having to spend so much money are those where the tournaments are happening close to where they live. 
And and I that might be a thing way out in California where there's a lot of tournaments in the LA area because there's a lot of judo out there, but you know, in most places in this country, it's not that way. So these people you know would have to travel great distances. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if increasing the expenses out of a parent's, uh, you know, taking a lot of parents' money to support their kid. I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. I really don't think it is. Now, for stage four for the Team USA path, uh, the judo-specific goals that they outline is to reach ideal performance state or maximum potential and maintain a high-performance career. Uh, periodization and tapering techniques for major competitions with a focus of the high intensity and high volume training program. Cross training and recovery training are incorporated to prevent uh, physical and mental burnout. New pressure because of the success in competition is introduced. The challenge now becomes centered on sustaining competitive excellence. And the bulleted highlight points for those goals are an emphasis on maximizing speed, coordination, agility, stamina, and explosive strength. Continued refinement of, uh, in, in sub-bullet points, transition from Tachiwaja to Newaza, multi-directional combination and counter techniques, coping with and countering opposition style and gripping, Takui Waza for all grips, position, and styles, and then continuing on with the regular bulleted points, specialization of individual techniques with emphasis on competition-specific skills and tactics, further develop competition strategy to, strategies to combat different styles of opponents. Now, their recommendations for training and competition uh, for Team USA path, it's weekly participation in 5 to 10 judo-specific sessions lasting 60 to 120 minutes in duration. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, 10 sounds more right. Uh, Judo-specific conditioning activity four to six times per week. Uh, Competition, minimum 10 tournaments per year. Uh, Actually, 10 tournaments and 40 bouts per year. National and international junior and senior competitions. That sounds about right to me. Multiple periodization is needed. Focus on peak peaking for major competitions. Yeah. Uh, maintaining high volume and increasing intensity. Yep. Uh, conditioning is judo specific. Off mat sessions tie in with judo sessions. Agreed. Uh, 48 weeks of five to six sessions uh, per week. Off season, no more than three weeks. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. 75% competition. Uh, competition-specific training, 25% ancillary training. Yeah, that that's the. I think those are all very good bulleted points. Obviously, I have never been a high-performance coach, uh, and I've never been a high-performance athlete in judo. But if I were to think of a plan and recommendation and guidelines for training and competition, it would probably look something like that. Now, the one thing that uh, for both of these stage fours, uh, especially the Team USA path, that is not covered is how they are going to treat and deal with mental health issues. Because to me, the, the mental health of your athletes is just as part, an important part of performance as the, as the physical aspects of it. And I also don't see anything here with regards to supporting athletes uh, in college. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying paying for college, but how are senior national athletes supposed to be able to do all of this and maintain their studies and keep up with their studies? I really don't know, and I don't. I and th- that could be outside of the scope of what this uh, what this plan is trying to accomplish. But the concerns for mental health and the concerns for, uh, you know, university education, college education, and such that should be a concern for Team USA as well. And that should not be left up to the students, the parents, 
and and maybe the 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 coach or sensei that that there has to be a collaborative effort here in in order to balance that now for stage five i just wanted to cover the judo specific goals that are outlined for stage five uh the section states find one's place in the sport to promote grow and sustain judo in america some participants at this level will move into other judo sports roles which is officiating coaching and administration others may look to compete in master level divisions uh, attention to the individual goals and objectives will be important to apply the appropriate training competition and recovery programs and the bulleted items here under those judo specific goals uh, show re-emphasize judo as a fun and enjoyable sport for all so so what are you saying judo is not fun and enjoyable <laughs> in the previous stages <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding all right, continuing on, Con uh, content and intensity of judo-specific training and technical development adjusted to individual learner needs. Quick wins will generate task-specific confidence, improve self-esteem, and strengthen belonging to the dojo and the identity, etc. Create opportunities to practice officiating, volunteering, or engaging in administrative support, coaching and refereeing certification awareness. Let's see, uh, continue the next bullet point. Gradual exposure to basic kata techniques in progression and complexity. Uh, for example, nagi no kata, katami no kata, etc. Explore dimension of self-defense and decision-making through study of kata. Uh, okay. Uh, encourage participation in referee certification program. And under the recommendations for training and competition, uh, the bulleted items are... Week, weekly participation in, vari in varied duration or tailored to a specific judo program, intensity level, progression of training tailored to specific learner need and development objective, refined kata techniques already acquired and increased technical complexity as proficiency and interest increase, judo-specific conditioning and, and kinesthetic awareness need to match participants' level, be aware of any equipment and training site modifications required for aging learners. So I thought that those are pretty interesting points. Again, it's a little thin on details. And as I've said many times before, in my experience, it's not easy to find somebody to teach a kata. And in my local area, there isn't really anybody that teaches kata or, or gives clinics out there. Again, I, I've been told out in California, there's a guy that teaches every Saturday like kata in a, in, at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school out in the LA area somewhere. I've heard that maybe there's more than one guy, but for example, like those kind of situations are are very rare or or non-existent in most places in the country. So again, it, it all sounds pretty good at for for stage five, which is again, most of my listeners, myself included, probably fall under this stage. So I would be interested to find out what those details of really all of these stages entail. Now, it's from what I gather. There is already an online course that one can take. I think it's it costs about 30 bucks. And it's called the American Judo Development Models Foundations of Coaching Online Course. Now, on the uh, USA Judo website, it says the course takes about 40 minutes to complete and it costs 30 bucks. The majority of the course petition fee, participation fee will be reinvested back into the development and implementation of the AJDM to create a self-sustaining program and alleviate the financial strain of any of the American Judo Alliance organizations. So when I go down the rabbit hole of clicking a bunch of links and stuff, I, I finally get to 
to the the main learn.teamusa.org which which supports all of team USA across all Olympic sports. Uh, but right at the top of the list of one of the courses is the American Judo Development Model Foundations of Coaching, Coaching course. And the description is learn the fundamentals of coaching theory, including teaching methodologies and strategies for making your time with athletes productive and successful. So, and like I said before, that's $30. It's thin on details in regards to what you're getting out of this course. It's 40 minutes, so I can't imagine it's a whole heck of a lot. But I would still like to see an outline of of the subjects covered in this course. That would be nice before I drop uh, 30 bucks on this. So the, the rest of the PDF goes into uh, you know what you need to know about the development model as a dojo or com- competition organizer, as a parent, as a coach or an official. Uh, I, now, I'm just going to cover uh, uh, go over a little bit of what it say, says, uh, what you needed to know about the AJDM as a dojo or competition organizer. I'll just run down through the, the, uh, the numbered bulleted points uh, real quickly. Number one, emphasize inclusion and participation for ages 0 to 12 in sport programs and focus on developing skills over competition outcomes. Number two, use the AJDM development pathway to design your own club development pathway for participation and competition offerings. Number three, provide physical literacy uh, at every practice at every level. Number four, period, periodize training and rest time for your athletes to cut down on overuse injuries and burnout. Number five, encourage multi-sport activities and cross-training to keep your athletes active and developing outside of your program. Number six, use developmentally appropriate drills and practice plans at all levels. Number seven, provide qualified and certified coaches at all age levels. I, I want to get to that in just a minute. Number eight, if you have an instructor skilled in teaching kata, consider offering kata as a supplemental way to train techniques and offer it as a competition option instead of shii where individuals can compete in local and international competitions. Number nine, keep participation uh, slash competition costs reasonable. Find ways to increase numbers and retention rates from year to year, season to season. I want to get to that as well. Uh, number 10, provide quality feedback for age-appropriate development benchmarks to parents and athletes. And number 11, operate with an athlete-focused philosophy by creating fun, engaging, and challenging sport experiences for all levels of development. Development. So I, I think a lot of these numbered bulleted points are, are, are good uh, high-level overviews on what you need to be and what you need to shoot for as a dojo or a competition organizer. I wanted to get back to number, uh, let's see, uh, oh yeah, number seven, provide qualified and certified coaches at all age levels. Now, the way that this reads, that reads a lot easier said than done because I think the one of the biggest problems in judo in the United States is the lack of, of coaches and, and by extension, a lack of dojos. I have been told many times that back in the you know, 60s, 70s, and even early 80s, there was a ton of of dojos. There was a ton of instructors. There was a lot of judo to go around. Um, it's my understanding that that the the registered judo base was as high as two hundred fifty thousand judoka, which which is a pretty good number for for a martial art and. And by the way, I don't want to hear the excuse of, well, there's more sporting options these days. Not really. 
basketball still existed in the 60s, soccer, baseball, football, uh, ice hockey. They were all sports in the 60s, and Judo had to compete with them. So, 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's not like there's been an influx of so many new sports that there's so many options. So, you know, anytime I hear that, not that anybody's told me that recently, but I don't buy that excuse for a second. But the question still remains, how do you get qualified and certified coaches at all age levels, especially when, you know, at minimum, you got to be a brown belt to to be a coach, right? I mean, according to many of the the, the judo organizations, I, I, I think the minimum rank is EQ or maybe NIQ, but even then, it takes years to get that rank for most people. So how are you going to provide qualified and certified coaches if it takes so long to produce just one and and by extension going to point number eight if you have an instructor skilled in teaching kata consider offering kata as a supplemental way to train techniques i, I mean okay how are we going to generate instructors skilled in kata i mean for, for for you guys that have been listening for a long time you guys know i had to teach myself nage no kata and it was the hardest judo-related thing I ever had to do. And when I say that, I'm not really talking about the throws themselves. It's just doing the entire kata right. Step here, move here, pull here like this, not like that. To get it all right w- without any guidance from an expert was extremely difficult. And I also want to move on to, to point number nine. Keep participation, competition costs reasonable. Find ways to increase numbers and retention rates from year to year, season to season. Yeah, great. Hey, guys, you're all on your own to find ways on how to do that. But we're not going to help you or give you any guidance whatsoever. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's what they're saying. But but again, the high-level plan is very thin on details on how to get coaches to do that. I know region by region it's different. But at the end of the day, there should be guidelines in place and and good suggestions on how to do that. And for those who have been listening for a while, I had James Wall on over a year ago to talk about how he grew his dojo. And, and James is always very helpful to anybody that's willing to uh, reach out to him and ask. And he, he's got a very large judo club. But, you know, maybe a best practices outline uh, w- would be great. And to me, those are the kind of things that a high-level organization like USA Judo should be doing. We don't, you. We shouldn't expect USA Judo to to grow grassroots and, and do all the 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 work themselves. I mean, that's that's really an unrealistic expectation. It, it's just not possible for them to do that. But but providing high-level input and and guidance and I, I don't know having an online seminar with a successful uh, sensei and how he did it. Like all, all that stuff would be great. It'd be nice to, to have something like that. So ultimately, my feeling on this American judo development model is is uh, very positive. Again, for anybody listening that might be on these committees and such, I'm not being critical. I'm not being too hard here. In my opinion, that's not that's not my deal. I, I'm just I'm just going through this plan and and looking at it as as an outside observer. And I, I think you guys did a good job. I, I think there's some questions that need to be answered. And, and there's some details that are, that are missing on how you're going to do all of this, really. And how you're going to empower coaches. And yeah, you know, I, I see one online 40-minute class. But you know how are you going to 
to get more coaches? How are you going to get people to be certified in judo to teach it? You know, are you going to loosen the the requirements to to be a coach at at the lower levels? Does you know, do do you have to be a brown belt to teach five year olds how to do break falls? I don't think so. But but maybe if you you give a, a adults and people that want to contribute a, a path, a, a viable path that that gets them, you know, coaching at some level, I I think that might be a good thing. So we'll see where this goes now. If you're interested on who's been on this committee, I, I came across a, a kind of a press release of sorts that that goes over that information. Um, so some of the task force members or the task, the main task force members for USA Judo uh, is President Mark Hill uh, for the foundational task force. You're looking at Eddie Liddy and Brian Olson for the coaches task force. That's Pat Burris and Ari Miller. For the USJA, the presidents, John Paccioni and Bob Rush, the foundational task force for the USJA is Jason Morris and uh, Celita uh, Schultz. The coaches task force is Steve Cohen and Manmohan Singh. For the USJF, the presidents, uh, Kevin Asano and Mark Muranaka. The foundational task force was uh, Roy Kawaji and Dan Kikuchi. And for the coaches task force for the USJF is Larry uh, Susugi and, and Keith Watanabe. So after reading that list, it seems that a lot of the same uh, movers and shakers that have been in judo in the United States for quite some time are the ones that are coming up with this thing. Not everybody, but certainly a lot of people that I've heard of that have been in prominent positions in years past and, and such. So I'm just hoping things will be different this time around. I mean, you know, truth be told, I was. I, I, it would have been nice to see some new names up there and, and and maybe a lot of younger people, let's just say. You know, it would have been nice if, uh, you know, we had somebody that was under 40 years old on that task force and then maybe somebody that's under 30 years old on that task force. Just, just to get a, uh, I, I'm not trying to be, you know, have ageism here or anything, but, but to get a younger perspective, I mean... You know, couldn't somebody on Team USA, you know, who who maybe recently retired or or still, like it would have been nice to have gotten their input or at an official level anyway. I, I don't know. I, I see judo the, in the United States as it is today, and you know, there's that old saying of uh, the best predictor of future performance is past performance. So we'll see. I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to choose to be optimistic about this, but. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I hope for the best, you know, they, this wouldn't be the first time that they laid, rolled out something that sounded great. And then you never hear from it again. I, I remember, remember a couple of years ago, I, I covered this story about, uh, judo in schools in the United States. This would have been back in, uh, late 2018, maybe 2019, the, the, the USA Judo received a, a, a bunch of tatami and, 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 a, and a whole lot of judogi from, from the IJF. Oh, uh, wh- whatever happened to that? Did, did, did they ever use the, that, those mats in, the, in a school? And did they ever get a judo in schools uh, program going? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it feels like it's one of those situations where we're getting sold the sizzle. You know, they, somebody throws a steak on a hot grill and you hear that sizzle off in the distance. You're like, ah, that's going to sound great. I mean, that sounds great. I can't wait to see what it looks like coming on the plate. And then you're just never served. I mean, I, I don't think that'll be the case here simply because they already have an online program to, to kick 
to kickstart things. That's a that's a required course, and and uh, I think that's a good thing. So maybe it'll be different this time. I, I certainly hope so. All right, so that's gonna do it for another hideous episode of this podcast. Um, my apologies if if you if uh, the foreign listeners out there made it this long. I I uh, I'm really grateful for you. I know this was. Uh, of really it was a United States centric podcast. I try not to be that way with my episodes uh, because obviously judo is a global sport. But there's nothing going on. I mean there's no there's no tournaments, there's no news from the IJF, which by the way, I I got to say there's no way 2021's happening, right? I I mean, I don't think I didn't think that um we were going to have a 2021 Olympic Games. I, I think I might have said that months ago, but here we are. We're, we're getting closer to August, and there is nothing new. And I just I can't imagine we're going to hold the Olympics in a year from now in Tokyo. And, you know, I'm sure there's a, a few naysayers out there, not necessarily listeners, but naysayers out there for sure that would say, you know, well, just have the Olympics and not invite the United States. Well, you, you, you can't have an Olympics without the United States. That would just, that would be absurd. I mean, yeah, I know it happened once before back in 1980, but you, I mean, that, that would be absurd to have no, the United States team not there because we're the best in a lot of sports. And when the best doesn't show up for a competition, th- then the rest of the results are not really valid in my opinion. And, you know, COVID is, is not going away. And, and I, I got to say, if I didn't say this earlier, or if I did, I apologize. I, You know, driving around the state, like, at no less than 90% of people out there are wearing masks. So I've got no idea why Florida, and, and in particular Miami, has become this epicenter. I just, you know, maybe it's all the young kids partying. I sound like such an old geezer saying, the damn young kids, dag nabbit. But no, I, I, I got to think it's them because... Most adults and old people that I see wear masks. I mean, certainly at, at, at those age groups, it's like 99%. I, I, don't, I don't see any, anybody out there without a mask. And, you know, the few people that I see out there that refuse to wear a mask, they pretty much are the type of people that I would expect to not wear a mask. All right. So that's going to do it uh, for me anyway for this episode. So with that, I hope you all have a great day. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. Train hard for those of you breaking local mandates. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open.